It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host Manu Weff and this week we have some interesting topics to discuss. Champions League review, Dynamo Kiev crash out, Dynamo Moscow, yeah, lots of Dynamos on this week. A huge mess once again, the league results from the Russian Premier League and a Zenit Spartak preview as well. Once again, some amazing attendance figures. From the Football National League, Russia's second division. And finally, to wrap it up, a quick look at the Russian Cup draw. Well, to discuss all of this with me, as always, is Andrew Flint all the way from Siberia. Andrew, how's it going? Yeah, not bad, Manny, not bad. It's, um, yeah, it's good, to, good to come back on in slightly less frenetic circumstances than last week. <laughs> um, my nerves have come down since then, but... Um, at least I'll be more composed to discuss that night's event. So, Russian Cup, most important of all the competitions we'll discuss today, of course. Um, but yeah, now I'm doing okay. Thanks uh, thanks for hosting as always, Manny. <laughs> well, it's great to have you on as always. And joining us as pretty much always, always as well is Tim. Tim, how are you doing? Good morning, Juano. It's uh, going it's going great. I'm very satisfied with the previous week uh, Spartak's performance against Dynamo. We'll talk more uh, about Dynamo this episode than Spartak, or maybe it will be the other way around because I'm on the pod as, as always, so I can I can never shut up about Spartak. But yeah, excited to talk to you because we have quite a few topics to discuss and very very big, probably the biggest game of the first half of the season uh, next weekend. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, lots of things to discuss. And then maybe the, the topic, there's a lots of dynamos on this podcast today. <laughs> and, uh, um, that's, it's, it's quite interesting that way because of course, Spartak, um, Spartak's rival, where the dynamos, um, both Moscow and Kiev, right, Tim? And yeah. We, we get to, we get to get to start with the, probably the biggest rival during the time of the Soviet Union, right? Yeah. 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 Dynamo Kiev is definitely the biggest rival uh, historically against Spartak. Yeah. And um, so how did you feel about yesterday's match? You know, um, Champions League, I watched both both the game in, in Amsterdam and the game in Kiev. And my personal evaluation is like this. I, I thought the first leg was an excellent game. It was it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, there was a lot of back and forth. It, just, it, was the, it was the sort of game that we expect from two historic giants like that, right? Um, Ajax, of course, a four times um, Champions League winner or Europa, European Cup winner. Uh, Dynamo Kiev have won the Cup Winners' Cup twice, um, the UEFA Super Cup as well. A lot of history between those two teams. And this, the first leg really showed this, but the second leg was a pretty big, I don't know, letdown? Yeah. Or, what do you think, Tim? Yeah, disappointment because really Dynamo Kiev didn't show much and uh, Ajax could have scored like a million of goals. It was just really total domination. They didn't score the penalty. They had crazy chances. They have, they hit the post, the woodwork and uh, really Dynamo Kiev, um, with a very good attendance, with a very good, you know, like the, the, the fans were up for it, but really the Ajax totally dominated the match and Dynamo Kiev had really no chances, especially given that they were two goals down. They needed to score two. So they didn't have enough to 
to even to show anything, to show any character to come back from the first game result at home, and it was very, very disappointing. So yeah, we obviously, at the previous pod when we did the review, we spoke about it, that it would be nice to have Dynamo Kiev in the, for football grad for us to have it in to have them in the champions league but unfortunately uh, it's not gonna happen and i i was pretty confident even as i said that uh, i think the chances were 50 50 but at the same time i was very confident that it's, it's not gonna be easy because ajax has unbelievable lineup when you have you know players like class jan Huntelar and there's a few other very very strong players and unfortunately dynamo kiev they don't have players of that level uh, they have good upcoming youth but they don't have like the players of that level which Ajax have and unfortunately yeah they they showed nothing it was very disappointing game and again especially I was surprised because quite a few people showed up you know they played at this big Olympiski stadium and um, the fans got behind but Ajax was very disappointed oh sorry Ajax yeah I thought that they were shockingly bad (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um I thought actually in the first leg the they had some defensive issues but they played some good football going forward. In this game they had <laughs> the same defensive issues but also played terrible football going forward. There was no structure in their attacking play whatsoever. I mean, um I guess the only positive you can really take from it is the the fact that uh, Sihankov played very well, right? And he was the only player who played well. Um, Vladislav uh, Supriana, who, who designed, uh, Supriana, who designed from uh, Nepo Adin, um, a very good talent, but I thought there was a lot of structure missing in, in their attacking play. Their biggest chance was right off the, right in the beginning, in the, the cross from uh, Sihankov that found its way somehow through, right? And uh, Olana, the Ajax keeper, had to produce a very good save. And I, I think at that point, when you make it 1-0, and I, you had this feeling the entire time that if Dynamo just get that one goal, that could completely change the, the entire game plan. But I didn't think the game plan was positive at all, Tim. Yeah, it didn't look like... Well, at least it's hard to say what the game plan was entirely because even if there was a game plan, it didn't work out completely. If the game game plan was to defend and concede lots of chances, then it worked, but uh, I don't think it was the the plan. Um, yeah, we 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 said that it's Dynamo Kiev right now. They have quite a few up-and-coming young talent uh, players, and to me, I thought it will be very, very good for them to play the Champions League football to the actual group for just to get the experience but uh you know turns out they were not good enough to to get there so they will be getting their experience for europa league which is also not bad but obviously you get the best um you know you grow as a professional when you play the highest um level possible and of course that's champions league uh, but you're right yeah like it's 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 hard to really point anyone out except Zagankov. uh but again like yeah like i said it's they have lots of you up and coming youth interesting players which you know probably the future of Dynamo Kiev and Ukrainian football and um, I has I guess we have to be uh passionate oh sorry patient patient of that yeah maybe my final point um what Dynamo can take away from this game the uh third in the Ukrainian Premier League um, one of these days we'll have to have Vadim back on to, to chat a bit more about this league uh, because they are third behind Shakhtar Donetsk and Alexandria is still up there, Tim. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> five wins out of the first six games. That's, that's an impressive start. Um, Dinamo are on 13 points with, after five games. Um, but they have one game in hand, right? So they give, with a win in that, uh, makeup game, they can, they can climb the first place. So it's not all bleak, but at the same time, Champions League football is such an important, vehicle to grow the club and they have made some pretty pretty big investments this season including in into into uh, Vladislav Supraya who would have paid uh, 6 million euros for an 18 year old striker those who don't know him very much he had his Champions League debut and I thought he looked very good the, the commentator on uh, the zone the, the station that I watched the game on said he looked a little bit like a young Fernando Torres and I think you can really see his movements and that he that he is a class player and that he will be a fantastic striker one day. But of course, an eighteen-year-old striker at that level—it's uh, a big—it's yeah. ju- a big jump from the Ukrainian third division because that's where he was <laughs> playing to Champions League football. 
Um, I guess with him, we'll just have to give it some time. I think when you look at his movement and, um, just the, the, the way he, the way he played, um, I think there's a, there's a lot there, um, to be excited about for Dynamo fans, right, Tim? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, situation. I'm very curious to have Vadim on because remember, didn't they have this, like, the new, like, sporting director? From somewhere else, and I'm yeah. curious what happened to him because, like, uh, what what was the? Because remember, there was this whole conversation. Uh, why are you inviting a very talented sporting director if you're not gonna spend money? And they weren't really spending too much money. They were they didn't really do any uh, imp- like massive transfers. So I'm curious to see what 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 Vadim's opinion is, and we need to have him on because. Yeah, it's it's. I don't think I we don't, we know enough about it to to really get deep into into this conversation in terms of like what's happening, what's happening behind the curtain in Dynamo. But it's definitely interesting because we need to pay attention because it's one of the biggest club and football grat um, area. Yeah, maybe maybe to wrap this uh, conversation up. Uh, Supriya was signed for six million euros, Tim, from a Ukrainian third division team. Uh, probably the biggest deal in history for Nyepa Adin. Um, the MIF bonus is this deal can grow to 15 million euros. It's, wow. it's, it's a big, it's a big transfer for wow, like, lots, yeah. lots of, yeah, yeah, wow. That's a lot of money for a young kid, right? And, uh, you're quite right. Um, it'd be interesting. Uh, Rubio was his name, whether he, what his influence was in, in this deal, in these transfers, because Dynamo have gone very young. Um, maybe, maybe a club for the future a little bit as they continue to grow. But Andrew, um, we need to leave Ukrainian football alone and uh, get Andrew in this the conversation because we have to talk about that another Dynamo side. And, uh, this is one for both of you. And, um, I guess I'm going to open it yes. this way. I cannot remember a time. <laughs> I know where it's going. <laughs> this is an impressive claim. I know you're about to say. <laughs> I cannot remember a time where Dynamo Moscow was not a mess. So apparently they have gotten themselves into another mess. Andrew, um, that stadium alone, we've been there a couple times. We've been to, to Lev Yashin's monuments, both. Um, yeah, I mean, Manny, it's just that they're, they're, you're running out of words to describe it, and I completely understand why. Because we've used them all. We've been, we've we've already we had. Okay, let's just backtrack a move. Let's let's go back um, a year, and we had a situation with for me that sums up the mismanagement. Because that's the key here. It's it's not it's not all unavoidable. It's it's, it's mismanagement. We had Pogrebniak, um on their books, barely playing a game. I think it was something like seven or eight games until he even came off the bench. And he was running up the, the biggest wage bill, uh, the biggest salary at the club. Um, you know, you've got that stadium that's taken, I don't know how long to get made. And you mentioned about the, the Lev Yashin monument. And we, we briefly touched on this uh, two weeks ago, I think it was. That is, that's symbolic, isn't it? You know, it's it's not just a monument. You, how can you take such little care about what's going on around you? Um, with with Dinamo, I I kind of always feel like they're not that far away on the on the pitch from being a reasonable Russian Premier League side, but off the pitch, I just I don't I don't know how they will get out of this until they have completely new owners, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much. Um, the, the last time I really paid attention was when the, the big news was that the, the Russian police is investigating Konstantin Rausch's transfer from Cologne to, to Dynamo. I mean, that's a classic Dynamo Moscow headline. It was, it was such a classic Dynamo Moscow headline that I didn't even pay very much attention to it at the <laughs> time. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's, that's just, that's just a club for me. It's, it's such a, do we do we even know who the current owner is, Tim? 
Who, who owns this? Who owns this well, club right now? Well, just to give the listeners perspective and to explain why there's so much mess in Dynamo consistently, because there's too many owners, and uh, maybe not even the owners in the normal sense of that word. When you have like an investor or like the ownership, like for example, in English clubs, it's the people who have their say. And the reason for that, when the Soviet Union broke up, the Dynamo club uh, was transitioned uh, from the police. To, to the new owners. And there are so many different people who are involved and have their say. First of all, there's obviously the, the, the investors. Then you have the police is still involved. And then you, you also have the organization of Dynamo clubs and it's involves all Dynamo clubs. Uh, hockey, like all the other sports. All those people have certain say in, in the management of the club. And as you can tell, uh, when you have somebody like uh, people from business, people from police and people from sport, uh, trying to make decisions and all have certain vote, it becomes a mess. And that have what has been happening for a very, very long time. The dynamic is completely, uh, sometimes the, the sponsor or like the investor might change. But then the the police is still there, or the 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 the, the Dynamo, the it's called Sopshita Dynamo, the the union, not the union, but the organization of Dynamo clubs. So that's that's why that's why it's not like in 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 most of clubs when you have one owner and that's it. All those people can never agree; they have their their opportunity to change things a little, and that's what's happening. So the recent the recent mess uh, started then uh, Roman Shirokov, the former Russia captain and uh, champion of Russia, and definitely like the one of the biggest players in the past 10-15 years, he became the vice director of the club. Technically, he's the second person after Vladimir Strzelklovsky, but in fact, uh, Roman Shirokov, he is running uh, the club right now. So the recent wave of the mess started when Shirokov fired the coach of the youth team, Nikolai Kavardaev. Uh, be, and that happened right before the derby against the youth derby against Spartak. So of definitely not the best timing. Uh, there was no really a reason to fire Kovardaev uh, from the coach position because the last year the Dynamo youth team finished third and they always, we all know that they produce quite good young players. There's lots of youngsters who came from a youth side to the first team and we can even name Tashaev and players like Zoblin who like both uh, went on Spartak. But currently in Dynamo there's quite a few very talented youngsters so there was no really a reason to fire the youth coach and uh, but the like the official reasoning for firing Nikolai Kavardaev who was a fairly successful coach of a youth team was that uh, Roman Shirokov wasn't very happy with his substitutes which is you know like to me absolutely nonsense because if the coach is coaching he sees the players every day in the training ground and he knows what's happening and um he, the, the former coach Kavardaev also had a very good relationship with Dmitry Khachlov. They have very good communications in terms of new players. There was always exchange of players between, you know, between the first team and the youth team. Sometimes the youth uh, players would train with the main team. But, but then the Kavardaev was fired and Shirokov appointed a new youth coach right before the game against Spartak. And he appointed a person who was a former player and played in Russian Premier League, but had no, absolutely no management experience. It's Vladimir Karetko. And coincidentally, Karetko is Shirokov's teammate in his Ma- Moscow Amateur League LFL. So here's the connection. A person who has no absolutely experience, but is buddies with Shirokov gets the job. So Spartak uh, and Dynamo on the youth level play. Uh, the new coach, um, Karichko, is the coach and um, Dynamo loses 0-2 to Spartak on the youth level. So that that decision from, again, it's again rumors, nobody knows if that happened, but apparently Dmitry Khachlov, who is the coach of number one team of Dynamo, got absolutely mad at this decision. He was so emotional, he was, he was going crazy because he had a great relationship with the previous coach, Kavardaev. And he went so crazy that this decision of uh, firing Kovardaev and hiring Karachko is frozen now. So at this point, Dynamo youth team has uh, two coaches at the same time. And um, it's it's really, it's the situation is still not clear who is the coach of the youth team. So it's it's a mess. But, you know, the reason I'm talking about this, all this youth stuff, because that kind of leads to, to what's happening in the club. The rumors are that uh, Roman Shirokov, he wants to fire uh, Dmitry Khachlov, who is the main coach of the team, and um, maybe even himself to start uh, 
you know, working as a manager or find somebody else. Therefore, there's not that much uh, help uh, to Dmitry Hachlov in terms of new transfers, new players uh, coming in. So, again, it's the situation is uncertain because it looks like Roman Shorokov is not very interested in success of the current uh, manager, Dmitry Hachlov, and that's why there's not that much help. But again, this is all speculations and rumors. We don't know if that's happening or not. But the one thing is for certain that the fans had spoken at the Moscow Derby against Spartak, and they had this massive, massive, they had pretty much only two banners. One was like, hands off from Dmitry Hachlov, who is the current coach of Dynamo, and the other one was player, captain, coach, another banner, saying that, you know, Dynamo Dmitry Hachlov, he played for the club, he was, he was the captain, and now he's the coach, and everyone is very satisfied, because Dmitry Hachlov, he is a talented coach, and he's doing well, he's bringing all the youths, and with the limited squad which Dynamo has, he's playing some really nice football. So the situation is a complete mess. There's again, like I said, there's a few people who are trying to delay to 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 get different pieces of the pie and different pieces of the management. And um yeah, it's it's a weird situation. Yeah, that's an amazing summary of a lot of events, Tim. Um I I looked at the squad just now, twenty players on the box. That's that's not a deep team, Andrew. No. Right. Um. It's um. It's not the 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 first team can can survive. I have no no questions about that with Hawkloff in charge. Um. But like you say, you need more than just the first team, and you need a manager in charge of it. I mean, what Tim's just described there. I. Uh, I mean, congratulations, Tim, for remembering such a ridiculous bank of information. Um, <laughs> that's that's it. You know, I I very much doubt there are very many people who. Have understood what Tim's just just um, just described. I mean, if you're a player, there's going to be part of you that thinks, well, you know, I'm just going to get my head down. I'll I'll focus on what I can do on the pitch. Um, but there comes a point when it gets so ridiculous, you've got to question how motivated you are um, over any length of time to to put your heart and soul into this this team. So I don't know. I, it's um, it's depressing more than anything. Um, for me, simply because they, well, they're a historic club. I mean, I don't like favouritism towards big clubs just purely because of the history, but as a relative neutral, um, you know, we're, we're used to horror stories, aren't we, Manny, right? In Russian stories about ownership and, and financial problems, but my word, this this is something else. I, I I just, I don't even know what the next step forward is for Dynamo. Yeah, what is the next step forward for Dynamo, Tim? Oh, uh, to be honest, I don't know because uh, really it's, 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 it's a mess right now between Roman Sharokov and Dmitry Hachlov and, uh, two both, both very, um, legendary, very talented, very genius players. So it's very, for me, it's very sad to see this happening between two of best, one of the best Russian players, which were played in nineties and two thousands. But the next, I don't know, because really, like right now, if, if Roman Shirokov is in charge and he is appointed by the person who has a big say, so he has a power to make those decisions to, you know, to appoint coaches and to, um, to make some changes. So to be clear, honest, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's impossible to know because we don't know what's happening really behind the scenes and who actually owns because there's also, rumors about that Dynamo was looking for, for new sponsors and they were asking for the company called Narilsky Nikil, which is a very powerful company in Russia, to come in. So again, if the new sponsors comes, come in, maybe they will appoint somebody else instead of Roman Shirokov and then there will be a new section for mess. So it is, it's really, it's, it's, it's impossible to make any predictions because, because there's so much happening behind the scenes and people trying to, um, divide their powers and, um, yeah, it's it, it's a mess, and I feel, as a Spartak fan, even I'm a Spartak fan, I feel very bad for Dynamo fans. It's so hard to be a Dynamo fan, because once fi- things start picking up a little bit, then something happens, and you go to NFL, to FNL, or you have issues inside the club, because really, like, this club doesn't deserve all that, but unfortunately, they go through this, and I have no idea how, how you can be a Dynamo fan in, in these circumstances. Yeah, the one thing that I heard, and this is, this is maybe, um, an interesting, interesting piece to, to wrap up this conversation, almost wrap it up. There's one more thing that we need to add after this. Um, the new stadium, still not finished, of course. Uh, the, the latest information that I have on this is that Dynamo may not play in that new stadium even once it gets finished because they cannot afford to rent him. 
I heard the same thing, and again, it's another it's another crazy story that they've been building this stadium for, for a very long time. And how many times on this podcast we described the challenges of Arena Himki, and I'm sure the the fans of the same they can't wait to just go back to the to the historic place to 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 actual Moscow, not in Himki where they have to travel and where it's impossible to get in. Um but again, again, this is this is this is a very sad story. If they're building the stadium, they have to play. They have to play there. But um again it depends on, on the on the investors, on the owners of the club, who will be the owner when the stadium is finished. Will they have money or 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 want? And um yeah, but obviously that would be very stupid if they build building this stadium and they can't play because they cannot afford it. So they were afford to build the stadium but can't afford to play. Ugh, mess. Mess. Well, we'll see. Of course, you Tim, your team made this mess even bigger on the weekend. <laughs> I'm gonna go through the results here real quick. I, I can hear the sympathy in your voice there, Tim. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there was so much sympathy. <laughs> so much sympathy. Oh, let me go through the results of the weekend real quick here. Um. Arsenal Tula, Rostov 0 1, uh, Ural Ahmad Krosny 2 1, Ruben Kansan, CSKA Moscow 1 1, <laughs> Tim Spartak Dynamo Moscow 2 yes. 1, Orenburg Grasnoda 1 1, Ufa Zenit 0 2, Lok Moscow, Anshi Machachkalal 2 1, Lok finally winning a game again, or winning another game, Genesai Krasnoyask against Krilje Sovetov 1 0. Yeah, um, as I said, the Spartak Dynamo Moscow two one. I mean, this is this is a historic derby, right, Tim? Um, yeah. One of the uh, one of the big games in the league calendar. Of course, that derby has somewhat lost its appeal in recent years because Dynamo just have been not very good. And this is a game that we went to a few years ago. Um, the Spartak Dynamo Moscow um, went to a game. Went to, went to the derby there and, uh, at the Himki, my favorite place. Uh, thankfully this, <laughs> this was not a Himki. This was at the, uh, Otgrite Arena. Um, yeah. What, what was, what did you take of this game, Andrew, before we give uh, Tim the floor? I mean, the thing with Spartak this season for me is that I've been waiting for them to kind of explode into life. I know that they've got, um, just crazily talented attacking players. Quincy Promise is the big name. And of course, there's all the talk about him potentially leaving for about 20, 25 million euros, which um, I think Sparta could be, they'd find it tough to turn down. But, you know, the Quincy Promise had um, had a better game than I've seen him so far this season. That His disallowed goal, which I can't understand how it was disallowed, it came off, um, was it Rikoff? I can't remember who it was exactly. Um, but that was Promise back at his best. Um, they seem to control the game how we expect them to. The problem for me is that they're, and I know we're clutching, I'm clutching at straws here, but with this weekend's game coming up, it throws it into focus. They, you look at the goal scored column. I know it's a, it's a small thing, but to have only scored five goals so far this season, um, with their team, I'm almost concerned already. Um, this game itself, I mean, it, it was, the, I, I expected it. It didn't, it, nothing massively surprised me. Um, Although the, the, I call it a mistake by Maximienko and I don't want to criticize the lad because it's only his fifth game in the first team. Um, but when Rikoff looks up in his own half and hits that quite brilliant, um, well, I wouldn't call it a lob. It was too direct and too hard for that. Uh, Maximienko, I think just flapped a little bit. Should have, should have really been able to keep it out, but. Um, that's about as far as I can go picking holes in the performance. Um, Sparta would be happy enough. Um, Quincy won't, but he wants his goals. But it was as I expected it to go. Um, Dynamo could well, could well slip into further trouble after this. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when, when you look at this, um, the, the goal differential on five to five to one goals, Tim, you guys are playing very Italian football. We are. We have an Italian coach, and we play in kind of Italian football. But it's also the another reason for that is because Spartak slightly changed the system. We play in slightly different tactical uh, system, and um, it takes some time to you know for everything to gel. Uh, it's slightly different, um, like I said, slightly different tactical system, and it's it it's it slowly slowly started to get coming together so i think this zenith game is coming a little bit too early 
for us, but uh, the game against Dynamo, the first half was the best half of the season we played. First 45 minutes were absolutely amazing. And the other interesting thing which changed with Spartak, we became really, really dangerous on set pieces. Uh, most of our goals, no, we haven't scored the goal from the open play yet. Uh, out of those five goals, all those five goals came from different versions of uh, set pieces. And uh, uh, that showed in a game, Dynamo, we were so dangerous. Every different corner was a different combination and was different, um, different something very inventive, uh, which uh, the, the team came up with. And uh, Dynamo didn't really know what to do. And the, the second goal was a perfect example. There was two corners in a row and we did exactly the two same, um, you know, uh, corner setup, but with completely different players. So the first corner, Zaluish, had the shot and Shunin made a brilliant save. And then we did exactly the same setup, but, uh, Lorenzo Milgarejo was, um, was shooting and he scored. And so it was very, it was very interesting to see, especially like, well, not especially because I'm a Spartak fan. So I look at all the not very important details, but, uh, that was, we're super, super dangerous on, on free kicks. And in general, the first half was just amazing. Second half was not as great because we played slightly more cautiously and then there was a stupid goal which Vladimir Rykov scored from his own half and the young goalie Maximenko let in. Actually, by the way, I played with uh, Vladimir Rykov in Novosibirsk. He was two years younger and we played together in the same club. So, huh. that's the, that's my Novosibirsk connection. Knows, Tim. Huh? You, you taught him everything. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. He learned from professionals and now he's scoring in the Russian Premier League. <laughs> could have been Vladimir Rikov on the Football Grad podcast and Tim scoring from the halfway line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, no, no, scoring against Spartak, no, I'll take my spot with Football Grad rather. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's an amazing background story though that's, uh, I love that um, we always have to remember of course that Tim used to be a, an almost professional football player um, right Tim? yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I played I made it to the youth level too I played for equivalent of what is now Sibir too, like the the young team back 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 in Novosibirsk. But yeah, but um, going back to Spartak performance, it is it is um, it was a great performance, especially the first half. But now we're slowly transitioning to a preview of a match against Zenit. And to be quite honest, I'm very very scared because we're going away. The last time we went there, we let in five goals, and Zenit is in good form. And I'm very, they've, they've been, they've been very impressive and I'm very, you know, cautious and scared almost that if we lose that game, we're at minus five points and this, then it starts, you know, trying to get the catch up starts. And I don't think Spartak only impressed me in this first half against Dynamo. The previous five games weren't that impressive so i'm i'm very very cautious and i'm curious to to know what you guys think but i'm very very i, I will be i'm saying right now i will be happy with the tie there all right well you're throwing my entire order of uh, content into disarray but we, we yeah, that's all right we'll just talk about this first and then we'll talk about rostov's rock shirt next um yes let's do let's do the derby because they need of course they won their match 2-0 against ufa right and uh, have been, I mean, uh, this this is actually a question that came in: Who's going to, who's going to win the title in Russia, and can Zenit challenge for the title? And I mean, um, this we are five matches in. I think my my general wisdom is: don't look at the table after match day until match day ten, and no matter what league it is, because you, that's when I think you get a good idea of where things are, but. I think when you, when you look at the results, um, five games, five wins, um, <sighs> Danny Pellegrino here with a very merry iconic podcast here to tell you about AMC plus with best Christmas ever on AMC plus every day feels like Christmas morning from new holiday favorites like elf and one of my personal favorites, national lampoons, Christmas vacation. You can spend the holiday season opening up only the good stuff. Plus, you'll get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond, and you're also getting your favorite iconic Christmas movies without having to search. AMC Plus is available on all your devices. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? 
Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. I think that it's really hard to look beyond Zenit at this stage as as the title winner. Now for this game, uh, I don't know, Tim. I think the one the one advantage that Spartak may have is that midweek game against um and Molde, right? Yeah, that Zenit yeah. are playing. And by by the time this podcast will be out, the, the game will be just a few few moments away, right? So I don't want to go into into too much detail with with Molde, but. I mean, Andrew, you wrote the motor preview, and Zenit still have a little bit of work um, to be doing because they conceded an away goal, right? So they have to take that game in Norway very serious, which of course means that you have a Thursday, Thursday game, and then you're playing um, Sunday against Spartak. Kickoff, by the way, is 9 a.m. Pacific time. I wrote this down for everyone. Five, five o'clock British time, um, six o'clock in Europe. And it's nine o'clock, seven o'clock in Moscow time. So, but yeah, Andrew, that game in, in Norway, I think is, is an important factor in this match. Yeah, I think it could be. Um, the away goal, like you mentioned, was, uh, it was a, an irritation for Zanid. I mean, actually, about, you know, a two goal advantage, if it had been, with just 2-0, it would have been, I say, relatively comfortable. But it's that away goal, it's a niggle. And and Mulder did cause Zanid quite a lot of problems. You know, it took them till about 70 minutes to actually score the equaliser. And their their midfield were, were quick, were incisive, they were they were confident passing the ball forwards, not just side to side retaining possession, but they were actively looking to break the lines behind Zanit's midfield a lot. Their striker, um, Erling Haaland, who I picked out as the player to watch last week, the 18-year-old lad, he doesn't look like a, a, a young teenager in his first or second professional season. He looked, um, he was a handful. And I think if, well, the first 15, 20 minutes in Norway, if, um, if Moldo's take control of the game, then Zanit will have to, well, they'll have to be careful. I don't expect it to end up as, uh, I don't, don't expect it to go to extra time. The, I mean, 3-1 would be a very odd scoreline for me. I think Zanit will, will probably hold out for the draw. I don't think they're going to need to expend too much energy, energy in the end, but it is still traveling three days before the big derby. Um, now, I mean, for me, the, the travel time is not great, but I know it's just small things. But the conditions are going to be very similar to St. Petersburg. Um, the the light will be similar. It's a similar line of latitude. They did all these little factors. They play into it for me. I think um, I think Zenit will be reasonably comfortable once once they get into the game. Um, we saw what happened in the last away leg in Minsk. Uh, Simak took a couple of chances with resting players, and that nearly nearly backfired. Well, it, on the night it did. Four nil defeat was horrific. Uh, different circumstances. Don't think Samak is going to take any chances. So, yeah, it, it's something Zanit would rather have, uh, not have on their schedule before Spartak visiting. But I just think Zanit are on such a strong run of form. Um, yeah. I, I, Tim, I hate to say this, but I, I am, I'm fearful for your boys' chances in this game. And actually, like you say, Manu, it's early to judge a tighter race, but I actually do think this is a very, very important game in the title race already. I, I honestly see it's a two-horse race from here on in, and um, it won't be the end of the story if, if Sunit win, but it will make life very difficult. Exactly, yeah, I agree completely, because yeah, uh, right now, having the play, if they have plus five points, plus five points at this current form they are, it will be very. It it won't be like obviously the title can be decided in the sixth game of the season, but it will give them a massive advantage and mostly psychological advantage because te- both teams will be playing. I'm pretty confident in uh, Europa League, so they will be on the same schedule of the Thursday Sunday or Thursday Monday schedule. Uh, so it's not going to be one team have an advantage in uh, this. If if it happens to be five points after Sunday, then it will be it will be it will be challenging for Spartak to catch up. 
Yeah, but the, the, I mean, we've been there before, guys. Yeah, wait, that's true. You know, just a different coach. And then one of the questions that was um, given to me is, is Sergei Semak the real deal? Um, of course, I think, you know, the work he'd done last year at UFA was very impressive. You know, this is another side that could possibly feature in the Europa League uh, group stage. Um, you know, they, they, they did quite well at away at Rangers. Um, they have have still have a chance to to beat uh, the, the traveling Scottish side away in Bashkodostan, right uh, at the Neftyanik. Um So I think that uh, Semak has done very good work, but at the same time, I mean, we were here last year. Um, me thinking, oh, may or maybe I was wrong predicting that Mancini would be gone at the end of the season because Sinit came out blasting and. In the end, it was someone we didn't expect at all to win the title. It was Lokomotiv. So is this year different? Is Seymour doing things decisively different? Has he done enough to you know, chop down the squad? Um, you know, the squad is now 28 players. Is that, is that enough to do? Has he done enough to bring down the squad size? Um, has he invigorated the players enough to be fit for the entire higher 30 games um, these are questions right that a young coach it's not easy for a young coach to get into something like that so is this uh going to be different than last year tim you know i think uh, i have this opinion that zinik has a wonderful uh lineup and uh of, of players you just need you really you don't need to like i'm a little bit exaggerating here but the, you know don't need to teach them how to play football they all know how to play football the key is to have a peaceful and uh, united um, d- dressing room. That's that's the key. And that was the issue with Lucesco and Mancini, both good coaches with lots of experience, but they were not able to find uh, and to build relationships with the core uh, players of Zenit. We obviously remember the story of Zuba and Shata versus Mancini. We had issues between Lucesco and players. And um, I think that's the issue. It's... It, to me, obviously, again, I'm exaggerating very much, but it's a fairly easy job to manage the need. You mostly have to manage relationships. And Sergei Simak is a perfect man for that because he is very well respected um, uh, by Russian players because he is a Russian legend and he has the say and he's very respected in, 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 in football. He also is very intelligent man. We all know he has eight kids and he is, he's a great parent. He's a very intelligent man. He, you know, one of those people who is very quiet, very, very polite in the press conference. He never swears, um, you know, on the touchline. He, 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 he can build relationships and he has the experience of building relationships with players. So to me, it's not even more about the, the actual coaching, about the, you know, the, obviously, you know, you need to coach the team, but it's not about the tactical surprises because you need have, has enough quality. It's about managing the squad. And I think that for this job, in this given moment, he might be the best solution. We had Saul um, on the pod, and that was his message, and I completely agree with that. Bringing, um, you know, Jose Mourinho will be, a, uh, I'm just saying for sake of example, it will be a complete nightmare because Zenit dressing room was very ambitious and full of very uh, ambitious and very talented and people with big egos. You need a person who can unite all those players, and if you unite them, they will play their football, and there's enough quality. So, to me, it's not even about, like you said, like working out the, the squad and, uh, you know, doing rotation. That will come obviously into play because, you know, if I manage them, they will be rival on FNL. But, uh, if, uh, but I think that uh, the key is relationship and Simak is really good at that. And this is what I'm fear. Yeah. Mourinho, there's a poison chalice that went past Zenit. Imagine <sighs> just a few months earlier. <laughs> Anyhow, I know to, if I, if I give that question to, uh, Andrew, we'll get like a 20 minute rumble on <laughs> the United tactical lineup. I, so, you're about, you're about 10 seconds away from Iran. Okay. So, uh, so uh, move, we'll move, move on quickly quick. to some different topic. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I wanted to, to, to talk about the other teams that are following this, um, this, this pack up, up top and. Um, those are right now Rostock and still Orenburg. Yes, Orenburg are still in there. They they got a draw against Krasnodar. They continue to impress. They're, they're averaging two points a game right now. But um, I think all the talk in town has been Rostov. 
you know, the world's ugliest shirt. I, we all thought <laughs> Yenny size social media fake shirt couldn't be topped. Um, Rostov did it. Some dude brought a magic carpet to a stadium, kept, <laughs> kept bringing it. They kept winning. And, uh, now they decided to make a shirt out of it. And it is a real thing because, uh, one of the Rostov players wore it <laughs> in the plane <laughs> and showed it. Now, two questions. Is this Russian teams really upping their social media game, which is great. They need to because they need to keep filling the stadiums, right? Which is another topic that we're going to touch on in a moment. And B, are Rostov's magic carpets for real, Andrew? I'm really enjoying this little sideshow, if you like, because, you know, it's, it's not going to massively boost attendances in the, in the grand scale of things, but it's just, it shows a little bit of awareness of the fans around them. It's a little basic thing. Add all these little bits together. Um, that's what social engagement is. I'll tell you one thing that frustrates the hell out of me with clubs or players for that matter. When you see after a game, uh, some bland message just bandied about on Twitter saying, oh, it was a tough game, three points, we go again next week. That doesn't tell you anything. That's not connection with fans. This is making some effort to recognise them in, in the stadium. If people get a laugh out of it, great. And even better, if they make some money out of it, fantastic. Um, but, I mean, on more serious matters, uh, you mentioned magic carpets. Um, I wouldn't quite say that Villieri carpet, carpet is magic, but just exactly what Rostov are kind of used to, you know, we've had, um, we had Bedev, of course, taking them to just unimaginable heights in the, in the Europa League. And now, um, and now we've got, uh, Carpin doing, you know, with a fairly similar approach. I mean, okay, they had their 4-0 against Yenisei. That was a freak result, really, by Rostov standards. Um, they've only scored three goals in the four other games, but they've looked very, very hard to beat. I think Rostov, um, they've managed to recruit very well. They've got a good core of, uh, well, of Icelandic in particular, but Scandinavian players. And, um, Sigurd Darsen's on three goals already. That's a, you know, it's a solid return after five games. Um, Rostov are, they're tough to beat. And, you know, if the attendances keep staying healthy down there, that's an intimidating atmosphere. So Rostov, yeah, certainly. Certainly are going to be there or thereabouts. Orenberg are a slightly different issue. I'm interested to hear what you think about this, Tim, actually, um, with Orenberg, because I have my opinions, but I'd, I'd be interested to see what you think first, really, because they're flying high, way higher than anybody expected. But, I mean, I, I wondered how confident you are in the rest of their season. To be quite honest, I'm not very confident, and we showed uh, we showed an example of that when a team starts strong and then they eventually fading out. It was with Spartak Nalchik, it was with Krylia Savetov, it was it was with Amkar uh, years back. But um, see, to to me, it is to for the Orenburg, the goal is to save uh, their 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 season from uh, the relegation to FNL, and so far they on, on on track for that. They need to get what's the survival the the point survival in Russia. It's about over 30 points slightly. So, you know, if they get a third of points in the first five games, then they're just making their, their life uh, way easier. I don't really see the quality of players um, and experience of players to, you know, to challenge for, for let's say, Europa League. But um, to me, their main goal is to, to survive in this first season back into Europa League, also into, uh, into Russian Premier League. And uh, I think that eventually they will they will have some issues, but if they get the third of the points in the first five games, that's a brilliant result. So I'm very impressed with them, but I don't really expect them to to do very well. At the same time, from Rostov, I again I don't think they will be fighting for Champions League positions. But again, same same kind of deal for them. They need to make sure that they're not relegated and. Um, the, um, I'm personally because Valery Karpin is Spartak man and there's quite a few Spartak players there, so I support them. But even with that, I don't think they will be, it will be enough. But at the same time, see, we, we spoke uh, last week. We don't really have too many teams who are obvious for that, uh, for that Champions League, Europa League positions. There's quite a few teams. So maybe it's just off chance. Who knows? Like, you know, actually, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But, uh, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, here's maybe my final thoughts on this, that 
I think that Rostov, um, I, I wouldn't be hugely surprised if they become like last year's locomotive because the, the stadium attendance is there. The average stadium attendance this year is 26,937. So definitely they're benefiting from that new World Cup stadium. And even before that, at the um, Olymp 2, it was always a good atmosphere, right? In, in Rostov and the stadium is, is even, even better. So I think this is a club that could maybe surprise a few. Rostov is always a team that surprises people, um, one way or another. But at the same time, I see Loco, um, slowly but surely creeping up the table again. Um, they have, of course, made some really interesting transfers. Question is, of course, Champions League football for me, for Loco. Uh, see how, how that's going to impact them. I think that's going to be a, a big impact once that's going. Yeah. Um, you know, playing twice a week essentially against some really top clubs. Uh, I guess Loco is, is seeded in in the Champions League group, uh, right? Because they are Russian champions. Yeah. So the the group stage draw is not going to be super crazy. Uh, we'll find out, of course, by the time this podcast will be done, we'll find out who is and who is and who made um, the the final three spots that are still open. Um, uh, We'll find that out today and then we'll find out who's in what pot, right? But Loco are in pot one. So it's, that's, that's a big benefit for them. But yeah, I think it, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting season. I guess Spartak and Sinead are going to try a challenge for it. Why not Rostov? Why not this year Rostov? A team that, that, that is going to, um, you know, knock on the door to, to the top places. They have done it in the past and they, I can, I can see them have them support as long as they make, match a carpet or carpeen. <laughs> do their work. <laughs> um, it's all good. Um, magic carpet signings too. I really, really quickly want to bring this in. Uh, Pavel Pogrebniak. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not a Twitter social media joke. He is actually signed for Oral. Um, quick hooray there for, for Andrew. You, you go and do yeah, this. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm worried just, uh, after, um, Pavlichenko's nightmare signing. It's, it feels similar all over again, but. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, he'll actually score more than two goals, like Pavlichenko. <laughs> yeah, um, maybe the magic Pokrabniak. He'll come through. Um, but boys, um, I touched on this already slightly. We have attendance numbers, and this seems to be an ongoing, ongoing thing um, on this podcast. Um, the attendance numbers for the Russian um, second division are in for this match day. Match day. Sorry, match day eight. Wow. Um, 11,236 was the average attendance on match day eight. Now that's incredible, guys. That's really good numbers, isn't it, Tim? Yeah, that's, I'm still amazed by that. And uh, I still can't believe that there we get, uh, this kind of numbers in FNL and a league which averaged the attendance of 5,000 for many, many years. And which really, like, you sometimes get attendances of like 500 to 1,000 and we get those numbers. So it's just unbelievable. Like I said, uh, my opinion doesn't really change. We just have to wait for uh, till the winter. Uh, but I expected that the numbers will die down, but they're still there. So that's great. Obviously great. I'm very happy with that. Yeah, I think we can be. I mean, Saul tweeted this out. He, he couldn't make this part, um, unfortunately this week. But Andrew, the average attendance number has been around 6,000, um, this, this season, which, um, is almost three times as much as last year in, at this stage and, uh, is, is just behind the attendance numbers of Italy's and France's second division. That's, that's very good. Those are, that's a huge inflation of, of, um, when you win the attendance figures in, in the second division. And I mean, you have to keep in mind and we'll touch off this in a second because some of those, some of those stadiums, they only get about 600 um, per game, right? So, um, of course it's the 30,000 that show up at Volgograd and Nishinovgorod that make up a huge amount of those numbers, but still it's, it's, it's very encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like we've, like we've all said, I really predicted, even by now, I expected the numbers to have started dropping off. And you're right, you are right to point out there is that caveat that while we're saying we're, we're trying to make this a league wide figure and mathematically, yes, it is, but there are three or four stadiums that are accounting for the vast, vast majority of that. Half of them, half the teams are, are, are still only getting um, three or four thousand uh, to a game officially. Now you'll, you'll be shocked by this, guys. 
um, the official attendance at Chumen was 2,000, <laughs> which yeah. is big. The official, the highest official attendance in five years, um, other than cup games where we absolutely destroy Premier League teams like Zanid. Um, yes. But um, yeah, <laughs> I thought you might enjoy that too. But yeah, the, I mean, I was at the, I, well, I was, I was at um, Chumen's game against Tamboff. Tamboff, by the way, boys, um, keep an eye open for them. They look a very, very well-organised side and could well be in the promotion playoff zone by the end of the season. And for one of the top sides in, in the league, Tamboff, um, coming to town, Chumen's record is sort of okay this season, was before that game. And still, the attendance hasn't really moved. So I don't want to put a down on it too much, but there is that caveat that this is, um, it's only a league-wide figure. There are a lot of grounds that are still they're still struggling to, to bring the players, uh, bring the spectators in. But what I see as the knock-on effect in the long run, if the big clubs can keep up these 20,000, 30,000 numbers, then it will have a trickle-down effect because those teams, um, they will bring slightly more away support, perhaps slightly better players will be staying in the FNAL and think, you know what, this is all right, I'm getting paid, this is good. Um, it's a good atmosphere to play in. That's a long-term effect, and but it's look the the numbers are good. The only thing, and we said this before, that I worry about is that the numbers are used to say, "All right, that's it, problem solved." You know, brush your hands off and say we throw money at two or three grounds, and that's it. While the rest of the Feniel still has exactly the same uh, financial problems and problems with support. But look, let's stay positive. If these numbers carry on, this can only be a good thing in the long run. Yeah, me the one the the things that there's a few things I need to mention about this the second division, Roto Volgograd new stadium currently in the relegation zone, Baltic Kaliningrad new stadium currently in the relegation zone. I know we're only eight matches in, so there's there's still a lot of football to be played. Um, Nishni could go up; they are in the promotion playoffs, even though they're only fifth. And that's the next thing I want to bring up because. First, Krasnodar 2 and Spartak 2, Moscow. Um, these are not teams that are just named after someone. These are reserve sites. Tim, the reserve sites really ripping apart this league right now. Both Krasnodar, I mean, we know Krasnodar, very good youth setup. They, they put in a lot of money into developing youth players. And I guess this, this Krasnodar 2 team showing really the depth of youth that they have. But also, you guys' second team is doing quite well as well. They're second in FNL. Of course, neither of those sides can actually get promoted. But is that encouraging for those two clubs to see, look, our youth teams are ripping apart this league? You know, I'm very surprised at that because I obviously follow Spartak, the, the, the reserve side. Um, I try to watch games and I definitely, you know, read about them. And I'm very surprised because we have a very good generation of young players. But at the same time, we, you know, this team shouldn't be one of the two top teams in the FNL because the, the quality of players shouldn't be the best. Those are all the very young players. We have the average age somewhere between, um, I don't know, should be 19 to 22 years old, something like that. And if those 19 years old bossing the FNL, that's a big uh, question. And uh, to you, can also I'm very, very surprised. I know that obviously Krasnodar also have a very strong academy, and this is a very good science because it's it's a very um, you know good good science for the youth football. But I don't think it's good science for FNL as a league because when we have two youth teams uh, bossing around the FNL, that's that's not a good sign. And to be quite honest, I'm surprised because Spartak did well in the previous years playing in FNL, but we always were somewhere between like sixth spot and tenth. We should be somewhere in the middle of the table. So I'm very surprised what's, if, you know, if that happens, if that, if, if that trend continues to go. So what kind of clubs will join the Premier League next season if they are not as good as, if they're worse than youth teams of Spartak and Krasnodar? That will be, a, you know, a challenge. Yeah. At the same time, Sini two, uh, last eight games, huh? eight defeats, minus, were they, min minus 12 goals. Where they belong. <laughs> No, no bias on this part. No <laughs> bias at all. Yeah. Um, so, so <laughs> that, co that concludes our um, look at the football national league. I, I'm really curious to see what's going to go up. Um, I personally want to get Sochi 
you told you to get promoted and then have a uh, Saul on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be very good fun. We'll get a, we'll get a good Saul run. Uh, we can, can kind of combine it with, uh, Jose Mourinho because by then he will be the head coach of Sinit. Right? <laughs> right, Andrew? Christ. Well, I will definitely come on that pod and you will have the angriest pod you've ever hosted, buddy. <laughs> I'll have to bring out the soapbox. Um, Yes, so we <laughs> we touched on this a little bit last week, and I, I kind of want to conclude this week's podcast with this. Uh, we had the draw of the Russian Cup. The, this is, of course, there was Russian Cup games before. This is the round of um, 16. And um, we finally have the first uh, division teams join the, the Russian Russian Cup now, um, Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Tumen, you got CSKA. Are you happy? Yes. Yes. Very happy. Very happy indeed, actually. Um, I think, I think, uh, any of the four teams that we could have been drawn against could have been Krasar, Lokomotiv, or Spartak, um, would have been just fantastic because realistically, we don't, we shouldn't have a hope in hell of, of actually going through. However, like I, I, I don't know if I mentioned before, guys, but <laughs> Tumen beat Zanit five years ago in the Russian Cup. I don't know if I told you that. No, this is the first um, time I've heard this. <laughs> Look, I mean, the, the, the truth is, the truth is, there is there is a one percent chance of hope because we know from experience of these Premier League clubs, they don't take this round very seriously. They quite often send inexperienced sides out. They see it as an irritation and nuisance. Um, if all the ingredients are right, if Tumen play out of their skins and if um, Cisco resting a few players because they have a lot of injury problems at the moment. You never, you never know. But all I care about is the occasion, getting fans into the stadium. We were mentioning that earlier. So for Tisca, I'm particularly interested because of how new their team is, and I have been quietly impressed with how they've recruited a lot of youngsters that a lot of people didn't know about before, and a lot of their youth team products is combining to make a very exciting side. So. Oh, I can't wait for the 26th of September. That is going to be, that is going to be another giant killing, mark my words. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to note that down. Um, maybe to, to, um, wrap this up, some of the other fixtures that stood out for me, Tim Torpedo against Dynamo Moscow. Yeah. That's a good derby in, in the cup. I think, um, a lot of people are missing Torpedo in the top flight there, of course, in the third division, winning a lot of games down there. So that's, that's going to be good. Dynamo Banaul against Orenburg. That's almost a derby, I guess. Um, <laughs> <laughs> By Russian standards, anyways. I was really sad to find out that Sakhalina going to play in Tomsk um, for the game against Arsenal. Um, I would have <laughs> loved, loved to see that game take place uh, on Sakhalin, um, just across the Pacific Ocean from where we are. Um, but yeah, I have some some really really good ties um, in this one. Um, and uh, when when we get closer to it, we'll we'll give it a, a proper proper preview. And of course. Um, Andrew can then talk about all about Tuman and the, the, the exploits in the Russian Cup. Oh, but boys, I'd be delighted to talk all part about it. Uh, I am sure you are. We can do a sixty-minute <laughs> Tuman special. Um, yes, sounds sounds fantastic. Anyways, guys, um, we're out of time. So, Tim, um, floor is yours. Where can people find you online? Where can people find you on Twitter? What have you been up to? Um, tell us. Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at RussianTim61 and uh, Rocket from Russia on Instagram. And I'm very nervous between the uh, Spartak Dynamo, oh, Spartak Dynamo, Spartak Zenit game, which will take place on Sunday. And uh, yeah, send us some uh, que- uh, tweets about Spartak to me or about um, any Footballgrad network teams uh, to our main uh, page, Footballgrad Life. Yeah, absolutely. At Footballgrad Life, um, questions, anything, we're always happy to answer. Andrew, I know you've been busy. Um, tell us. Yeah, no, I've been uh, doing some previews. Tomorrow for me is the the biggest um, biggest day of this of the next week, really. Um, Ufa's game against Rangers at home that's going to be a cracker. So I've written the preview for that. And in coming weeks, there'll be a lot more previews um, of football grad teams, which I'm looking forward to doing. Um, on Twitter at Andrew M I J Flint. So yeah, like uh, like Tim said. Any anything related to Russian teams um, or Manchester United, or if you want to whinge about Mourinho, please get involved there. Ask him about Mourinho; it'll, it'll be glorious. Um, you know, we should we should get a live feed up for that. 
Um, but <laughs> it's a very Jose Mourinho flavor podcast. I, I'm very enjoying this. But yeah, I'm, I'm a new host, Manu Wef. You can find me at Manu Wef on Twitter. Please, um, anything related to German and Russian football or post-Soviet football in general, you please be feel, feel free to send me a message. I'm always happy to answer. Um, my content and the content that I produce either for football grad or pro soccer or anyone else um, is all available um, on my my Twitter feed or um, you know Facebook etc you can find me there um, please also if you if you enjoy this podcast and you enjoy what we do um, give us a ratings on iTunes Acast or wherever you listen to it really helps um, get the message out there well boys that's it We're done. Until next week. Das wird dann ja. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.